Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, and less ukulele. In this episode, we're taking a snippet from the Maltos Falcons three-year anniversary happy hour. That's right, we've been doing the happy hours for three years now, with Russian River, and most importantly with Vinny. I'll warn you, it's a bit crazy with lots of other voices involved. Now, Vinny has always been wildly supportive of home brewers and is also one of the nicest dudes in the whole industry. So sit back because this portion of the tasting covers when we were tasting Plenty of the Elder and really kind of breaking down like what he's doing with Plenty of the Elder and more importantly, how it's changed since he shared the recipe with home brewers back in 2009. But first, a message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association. Up your IPA game with homebrewing techniques, craft beer clone recipes, and a free book from the American Homebrewers Association. Push your brews to the limits with Brewing Eclectic IPA by Dick Cantwell. Or dive into the science and history with IPA, brewing techniques, recipes, and the evolution of India Pale Ale by Mitch Steele. Join for one year and receive your choice from 60 different brewing books. Head to homebrewersassociation.org slash experimental for offer details. That's homebrewersassociation.org slash experimental. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com. Which is like now I just poured the Pliny and it's such a, it's such a juxtaposition um, for the super big hoppy <laughs> quality that that this beer has. So, all right, now let's let's get onto the onto the the star of the brewery, the Gaius Plinius Secundus, aka Pliny the Elder. So the other the other night, um, my sister was in town visiting from Oregon and. Uh, anytime we package, we, uh, the, the lab, we have a packaging lab doing total package oxygen testing and all this stuff. They'll pull a bottle or can for Natalie and I. And uh, usually we bring them home right away and test them kind of in our home environment and taste them. I taste them at the brewery, of course, but Pliny, I always build up a stock of them. And then Natalie and I will bring them home after there's like six or eight of them and do them all in a row. We mix them up so we don't know the packaging dates other than we know that they were like in the last you know whatever three weeks or something and uh so i i remember this batch we were all my sister natalie and i were all like raving about the the 421 uh Pliny the elder for whatever reason so <laughs> who, who, who can imagine um, um 
I just want to set that out there. If people will hear me say one thing, which is plenty. Uh, it's really plenty. Yeah. I, yeah, we say it wrong. You know, it just depends how much you've had, Drew. I'm a I'm an old Latin and Roman history nerd, so yeah. I have a real hard time ever hearing people hearing people say Pliny. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Gaius Plinius Secundus, aka the guy who sort of kind of maybe gave name name to the hop. Yeah, he and his contemporaries talked about wrote about hops. This is related to the original double IPA, right? The, the yeah, one. yeah. So. Um... At Blind Pig, I i mean, it's a, you know, arm's length, I guess, if you say at Blind Pig, which was in Temecula, Southern California there. Uh, the first beer I brewed at Blind Pig Brewery in uh, 1994 was what I labeled on the bottle, a double IPA. Little did I know that, gosh, probably 10 years later, Stan Hieronymus would write an article and give me credit for creating this new style no one ever came forward and like like you know rebutted what he wrote so it just kind of became history um it's not something that we talk about like in our marketing pieces or anything like not that we do a lot of marketing but you know what i'm saying i mean look we we all know greg noonan probably beat everybody there so oh and i always say in like the modern brewing era so um but anyways um so that was the year we made a blind pig and then for each anniversary after that at blind pig we made a double ipa as i called it and the beer the first beer was called inaugural ale natalie and i actually rebrewed it it was the very first beer we brewed on our pilot brewery in uh late 2020 and then we canned it kind of took the old uh, blind pig logo from Temecula that was just a singular color before um, it was just like black and white other than before it went color and um, so we'll, we're probably going to do it again pretty pretty quick here I'm hoping but um, anyways uh, so that was that and then we left uh, the you know Southern California moved up here and a couple years into being at Corbell um, one of our accounts in Hayward the Bistro which puts on a pretty famous IPA double IPA festival um, and uh, actually they do an IPA festival and then a double triple I and double and triple IPA festival and he called and said hey uh, you know, I know you've made double IPAs in the past. We're going to do this double IPA festival, and would you make something? And that's when we came up with uh, Pliny the Elder. Is that okay, Drew? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, um, and and at the time, um, our hop salesman from Yakima Chief, this gentleman by the name of Gerard Lemons, would bring me samples of hops, and he brought me this hop YCR 014, an experimental hop from a young hop reader by the name of Jason Peralt. And we brewed with it. And even before we dry hopped it, it was the most amazing aromatic hop. I'd never smelled anything like it. YCR 014 turned into um, Simcoe. And, uh, and I don't, I can't remember if the very first batch of, of uh, Pliny ever had, Simcoe in it, but shortly thereafter, it made it into the recipe. And then the recipe just became based on it because so aromatic. And so the recipe's always had other hops in it, but it's always foundationally been first Simcoe, second Amarillo, and all the supporting hops are what they are. And they've kind of come and gone and changed, but the it's a great percentage of those two hops, but Simcoe being the number one hop mm-hmm. in it. Well, and so 
that's something I wanted to ask you about because famously back in, I think it was like Oh nine or so you shared a homebrewed scaled version of clinic to everybody. And I'm looking at it and it's, yeah, it's largely like, okay, two row C45 carapils corn sugar. How much does that change? Uh, no crystal malt anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, no dextrin malt, no carapils anymore. Um, a lot of that's because of hop creep. Yep. Um, you know, um, dry hop load was lower back then. So as we've dry hopped it more just to keep, stay relevant, um, we, we got rid of the, the dextrin malt. Um, so now, but one of the differences is our base malt that the two row is a little bit higher color, um, Mm -hmm. than regular two row. It's, although it's, um, not that much higher, but it's still a little higher. And so it's that and dextro sugar. That's all, that's all Pliny is now. Yep. So it's, it's two ingredients in the malt bill. If you include sugar in there. Well, and so it, that's interesting. And then I, I'm looking here. I actually have the Zymergy article in front of me now because I searched. Uh, and then I'm looking like you had Columbus as your bittering hop. Columbus is a 45 minute hop. And again, in the homebrew version. Yep. And then we get the Simico coming at 30 minutes centennial to close with mm-hmm. simcoe and then a lot of uh, columbus centennial simcoe as dry yep. hops yep is that still ish so so the bittering uh hop is mostly warrior right um which is a private hop variety that jason peralt also bred aside from simcoe jason also bred mosaic uh he bred sabro talus atanum uh, had his hand in Citra at arm's length. One of his breeding partners actually did the original uh, breeding of Citra. So Jason's like the Michael Jordan of American hot breeders. He's He's been pretty prolific at, at hot breeding. But anyways, so sometimes, so as of recent, there has been some CTZ in the bitterness, but that's mainly because we removed CTZ from the dry hop. Right. It was just too um, up and down with the onion garlic that you get from it that we've just extracted all of it. And so we're just using it up. So there is no more CTZ in the recipe other than we're just using up some CTZ in the bitterness. But I love Warrior as a bittering hop. It's so clean. It's got a super low cohumulin and um, it's just a really nice bittering hop. So, um, but yeah, it's, so there's Simcoe, um, and amarillo mid-boil and then we still and then we finish it with a lot of simcoe some uh centennial and uh and there's still some cascade in in pliny in the in the hot side um and then on the dry hop simcoe amarillo uh chinook chinook's kind of always weaved its way in and out of of the pliny recipe um and there is a a skosh of citra now just to help lift some of the citra notes but i think the biggest thing is that like what we're drinking in the bottle there's a lot of whole cone hops in this because our windsor brew house has a hop back and i'm a big fan of whole cone hops because we can run the hot wort over the whole cone hops and then immediately go to the wort cooler and cool down the wort and lock in those those volatile hop oils that we extracted from the whole cone hops uh, in the wort and then goes on through fermentation. And then we're dry hopping with um, some concentrated hops as well. So cryo from Yakima chief CGX from Crosby. And, uh, and so those are like equivalent of T45 hop pellets, which are pretty much 
you know, double the alpha acid, half the green matter. And back in the old days at Corbell, I was dry hopping with T45s. I just uh, didn't know what the advantages were like we know now what concentrated hops do. Well, let's back up for a second because there's a lot of people who will look at that. Hey, you're using whole hops. Why, why do you like to use those whole hops there? So if you're, if you think about a, um, uh, a whirlpool edition, and then if you think about it from a, a big, a, you know, production brewery and it takes a long time to knock out to cool down your wart, um, let's say we finish the boil in the kettle and then you have to let it stop vortexing for five minutes before you start your whirlpool at minimum you're going to whirlpool for five minutes with the pump but maybe it could be up to 10 minutes and then you're going to let the wart sit for 20 minutes while it stops spinning and all the hops and trube have you know gone into the middle of the kettle and then through centrifugal through centrifugal force and then you're going to take 30 to 40 minutes to knock out at the quickest at a brewery most craft breweries are like 50 or minutes or so 45 50 minutes and all that time all those hops are isomerizing and you're and you're also like losing oils through the back of your of your kettle and you're losing everything you want and so my theory is is that we want to kind of extract those volatile oils run the hot wort over the whole cone hops get out what we want those beautiful aromas and then cool it down and lock them in to the wart. So, um, so it's just the opposite of that scenario that I, mm-hmm. that I gave you. So you got a little less processing on the, the whole cone. You got the whole cone also acts a little bit as a filter bed too. It does. Yeah. We actually get better yields. If you brew a Pliny the Elder recipe with all pellets on the hot side compared to whole cone, we gain like a half to three quarter of a barrel. The ones, the batch with the uh, whole cone. But uh, but just to be clear, the it's still pellets in the kettle. It's we're yeah we're using hop extract for bitterness at at seventy five minutes, whether it's Warrior or CTZ, and then we use pellets um, starting at um, at forty five minutes, mm-hmm. and then on the way through to the um, uh, and then we're in we're in a little bit of the whirlpool is pellets, but most of it's whole cone. The other big change that people have talked about, like so, looking again at that old homebrew recipe you've got your your dry hops in there for 12 to 14 days total and another second edition at with five days remaining yeah are you still doing that long of a a hit or you shorten it no we've we've uh we we know what the science is now that (laughs) we're up to it's probably 48 to 72 hours one brewery is 72 hours one of them is 48 and then we're dumping the cone and then at that point, at the levels that we're dry hopping at, which if you break down all the concentrated hops into T90s, we'd be at two pounds per barrel, roughly, which is kind of pedestrian for a lot of breweries, you know, I mean, for a lot of beers these days, but still a lot of dry hops. And um, and then we're just waiting out our hop creep. Mm-hmm. And um, But we also now know that if we have a low enough pH, um, that the diacetyl is going to clear a lot faster with the with the hop creep so when you say a low enough ph what does that look like well so uh we know that um through some work that some hop purveyors and you and uh oregon state have done that you're going to gain 0.1 to 0.14 
pH, whatever mm-hmm. scale of pH, whatever you're going to call it, uh, per pound per barrel of dry hop. Right. So uh, let's just use 0.1 because it's an easy round number. If you dry hop it, three pounds per barrel, you're going to gain 0.3 on your pH scale. And so if we're dry hopping a beer at, in this case, two pounds per barrel, and we're already at 4.5 pH, that would drive it to 4.7 and probably more like 4.75 or 7.8. And the yeast is going to have a harder time reducing the diastole. And so we'll start with a lower pH in the uh, going into the fermenter. Mm-hmm. And then we know that fermentation drops pH. And if we are above 4.3, uh, we'll typically make another phosphoric acid addition at dry hopping to lower it, knowing that we're going to get an increase. And then, and then by having, again, by having that lower pH right from the get go dry hopping, we also reduce diacetyl uh, a lot quicker, which has nothing to do with hop grape. That's just basic brewing science. Mm-hmm. Well, and when we talked with uh, Julian Schrago from Beachwood, he talked, he does very exclusively uh, a wart knockout acid addition. Yep. Just because he wants to fight that, that pH rise from his, yeah. his dry hops. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're doing too. Yeah. Well, and, and he also, he finds that he has an advantage from an organoleptic point of view, right? Because he also he prefers the beer to be slightly more acidic anyway, not from a diastole point of view, but he likes it to be more acidic because he feels like it it's yeah. fruitier and crispier yeah in a way yeah on the palate. Reeves is asking, do you use ALDC or do you have any opinions on that? Yeah, so we yeah ALDC I jokingly say was you know, hop creep was invented by the producers of ALDC because they're laughing all the way to the bank right now. Um, yeah, we, we do use it. We used to use it both at knockout and at dry hop. And now we're only using it at dry hop because now that we have much better yeast health, we're reducing our diacetyl, our VDK a lot quicker and more efficiently before we even have to dry hop. And so, um, we're just making an addition at dry hopping, but we're trying to get away from it as much as possible because it's really, really expensive. Can you give like a rough idea, like on a homebrew scale, like how much it costs? You know what? I don't. Even, I don't remember the cost, other than like at one point we could have for an entire another brewer as much ALDC as we were using. So like, <laughs> it's expensive. So and brewers just like freely talk about it, like, well, I'll just use a little bit here and there, but like, it's really expensive. Like a jug of, of five gallon jug of it is like it's like four or five thousand dollars it's really expensive and and just to answer the question that popped up there is uh aldc is basically used to make it so you don't get the diastole formation from dry hopping yeah but 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 hop creep will still happen yep um and so you just have to decide at that point if you don't have the diacetyl are you okay with having uh fermentable sugars in your finished beer as a home brewery is probably not a big deal because your beer is always kept cold, but as a home, as a, as, as a home brewery, you're okay with that probably, but as a professional brewer, you probably don't want to do that. So we usually still let them dry out. Yeah. It's, it's how it runs, right? It's like ALDC is a shortcut to just basically it, it cause keep in mind, like diastole always gets produced during fermentation. Yeah. Like unless you interrupt it, we just depend upon the idea of having vital enough yeast that will take all that diastole and convert it to a compound that you yeah. really can't smell. Yeah. Uh, and so, but with hops having diastase and adding simple sugars in that then inadequately vital yeast will then pick up and do something with, you're going to get diastole production. And then that's exactly what happened to brewed IPA, by the way. 
Okay, Drew, I have a question. Yeah. You said that diacetyl is always produced unless you interrupt it. Well, so yeah, basically what happens is ALDC interrupts. I know that yeast always produces diacetyl. Right. I don't know how you could interrupt it. Well, it, uh, I, I can't remember the exact mechanism. Vinny, Andy, it, it breaks. It just breaks the the process or the chain. Um, what and breaks it, the process? What breaks the process the, or the chain? The enzyme that is ALDC, and um, and it and it, oh. it it and it and it makes the the it basically skips the off flavor yeah. conversion of um, acetolactate. Decarboxylase. Yeah, which is why we I, always I should know that I don't know anything about this. I have a yes. PhD in chemistry. Yes. That's why we always show it at the ALDC. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, and so in, this in is short, how you inter this AC ALDC is how you interrupt the production. Yeah, of? but it's but it, you um, you'll still you'll still taste diacetyl. I saw someone post. Is this the thing that costs five thousand dollars a gallon? Uh, a jug, yeah, like for a five okay. gallon jug, it's something it's, like which that. Which is why yeah. homebrewers. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Sorry, and, I'm having a little trouble keeping it, up. And by the <laughs> way, ALDC is available to homebrewers, uh, but yeah. it's not any cheaper. Yeah, and, yeah, and I saw I only, that someone I made only a make made anymore. <laughs> someone made a post that Berkeley yeast has diacetyl free. They do, but it's not diacetyl free. It still like makes diacetyl, and and we even when we add ALDC, we still taste diacetyl in there. Someone's got a jug there, a little jar of it. It still makes diacetyl and you still have to wait it out. So don't, don't be fooled that ALDC will just fix your diacetyl problems. It takes time for the beer to still work it out depending on how much you dry hop. Yeah. Any, <laughs> any of these sort of enzymatic compounds uh, or enzymatic shortcuts, uh, chemistry is still chemistry. Biology is still biology. You are still going to be dealing with uh, knockdown effects. Uh, MB, you got your hand up? Yeah, so I this is totally different than the diacetyl and hop creep, but uh, I'm just wondering. I get a I get a tropical fruit note with this, which I don't remember having before, and I'm just and I was just at a Pink Boots meeting. I don't know a month or two ago. And somebody from Yakima Chief was there talking about their hops, and they mentioned in passing that the citra has turned more tropical that they've been breeding it based on the customer preference and i just wondered if some of that tropical is from the yakima or from the citra hops what do you think uh yeah, or I mean, sometimes Simcoe is described as tropical, but it it could also be that the little bit of citra that we that we add in is is some of it is regular T ninety uh, pellets or so standard pellets, but some of it is cryo, so concentrated pellets, and so it could be that when you concentrate the hops down, albeit citra or Simcoe, that you're getting uh, something a little tropical in there. Yeah, they they basically said Citra today is not the same as it was two or three years ago. 
Yeah, and it wouldn't be that they bred it differently. It's just that hops change in the as they grow older. Like the, uh, we were lucky enough to be, if not the first, the one of the first to use mosaic. So I literally had a bale of mosaic hops that were just straight up blueberry. Mm-hmm. And brewers still to this day are always looking for that blueberry note in mosaic, and and we look for it because it was such a pretty quality, but we never see it. Yeah. Well, and, and it's like I remember with uh, the early days of Simcoe, the early days of Simcoe, it was both a grapefruit and a sandalwood character, to go back to sandalwood again. And I never see that sandalwood anymore. Yeah, and a lot of it has to do with picking window. Like Simcoe is a great example. It has a 10 or 12 day picking window. If you pick Simcoe early, it's grapefruit. If you pick it mid picking window, it's pine. And if you pick it late, it's pungent, dank. Yep. I, I also wanted to ask you one question because I see this a lot because, okay, so plenty has a reputation, right? Because I think built both by its earliness and somewhat its scarcity, uh, you know, not quite like younger, but I, I see all this reaction all the time from people online where they're, they finally get their hands on a plenty and they're like, that's it. I have these beers around me now. They're like so much hoppier and so much more bitter yeah. and this, that, and the other, like you've already said, Hey, you know, look, we adjust this recipe why do you keep plenty dialed in uh, dialed into this particular area um you know i mean there's we make like probably 25,000 barrels of this beer a year some crazy i don't know exactly what it is we make a lot of plenty a year so i mean to some degree we want to keep it in its wheelhouse but we're also always trying to stay relevant and so we're always tweaking the recipe a little bit you know, like Pliny's more bitter than most IPAs out there right now. That's for sure. I mean, IPAs have gone to being less and less bitter and more fruity in the hop aroma and that sort of thing. Um, and and we've made, you know, changes over the years, but we also like the through line is Simcoe and, and Amarillo. And we haven't gone to, you know, just making it like Citra and Mosaic like most IPAs are these days. And nothing wrong with those beers. They just... That's, you know, that's, that works, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's its own thing and folks either like it or they don't. It's usually quite fresh, you know, when you buy it and, uh, even through our distribution network, you know, we're getting it out and with our Windsor brewery, it's much easier for us to make fresher beer and, you know, so you, better, you better are, shelf stability and that sort of thing. You guys even return to Washington. Uh, did and they're they're crushing it up there it's amazing it's really cool but uh, i also just want to put uh, ryan i'll get to your uh, your question in a half a second uh but i i I did also want to put out there like i've always felt like with elder like whenever i see people make that comment online about like oh well you know there's these other beers out there that are so much hoppier this that and the other i've still do not run into very often a double ipa that is this hoppy, this hop forward, this bitter, yeah. that is also this drinkable. Yeah. Yeah. It's dangerously drinkable at 8% alcohol. Yeah. I mean, like, I've gone through this whole bottle without even thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I can't do that with a lot of double IPA. So whenever, yeah. whenever I see people talking about, like, is plenty worth the hype? I'm like, yeah. it is if you have two bottles of it, right? You know, if you're, if you're not doing like, a tiny glass yeah. of plenty. Sure. It may not impress you in the same way, but damn it. If you go through that whole bottle, you'll be impressed. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I've, and there is, there's a lot of great beer out there. Like when we started brewing this in the late nineties, like there was a lot less great breweries out there than there are 
now. You know, beer quality wasn't near as good back then. And there are like, what's the saying that the BA has? Like, you know, most Americans live within 10 miles of a, of a craft brewery. And, you know, most of those breweries are making pretty decent beer. So, um, it's not, it's not surprising that, that, you know, there is a lot of great beer out there, but, um, we, you know, we've hung our hat on quality and bottle, uh, quality and making sure that it's fresh. And, you know, we were, I don't know of any brewery that was putting a bottled on date, you know, their IPA before we did it, um, because we were really focused on letting the consumer make a of, of how fresh is fresh. Yeah. Right. And just to tell people, uh, we are drinking these on April 28th and these were bottled on April 21st. Yep. So that's about as fresh that's, as you get. That's kind of our normal direct to consumer too. You're getting it you know, a week after it was, um, it was, it was bottled. So yeah. for our DTC. Good question, Drew. Vinny, will, will this change? In, I know it's going to change in two weeks or three weeks. Will the mosaic in this thing start to be, get more diesel-like and blueberry-like? Because I had one about two weeks uh, ago. This is one of the best ones I've ever had from you. No, no mosaic okay. in, uh, no mosaic in Pliny. Yeah. I was just talking about mosaic that it was something that we were lucky to get our hands on early on. Um, and, and one of the reasons we took the CTZ out was the, mo- the, the onion garlic diesel was just too up and down. And we really wanted to focus on the citrus and the grapefruit from the Simcoe and the stone fruit from the Amarillo and everything else that's contributed from the hops. Absolutely, because John and I were sitting here, and I'm saying I, I just had uh, one for a few weeks ago, Pliny, and uh, I'll tell you, it was it was still it was a diesel bomb with blueberry, and this is this is this is unbelievable to me. I yeah. mean, it's really nine day difference. Well, so, now you now you know how a craft brewer feels, an IPA brewer feels, trying to like make consistent IPA. It's really hard to make consistently because the hops. You do the same thing every time. I was on a the craft beer and brewing podcast just the, the most recent episode they just published it was their 300th and it was a west coast ipa follow-up to something i was on a couple months ago and i ended it with something to the effect of like i would love to see it studied yeast cell count and dry hop and i think there's a lot to be said there to go back to like biotransformation and whatnot because you can biotransform bad things as well it's not just good things you get out of biotransformation and sulfur you know a lot of times you're it's it's styles and whatnot which are sulfur compounds that you're getting the good things but you can just as easily get the bad things and sulfur onion garlic diesel is one of them are you using a spending on the end of fermentation at all on this no we just let it finish up and it's it's vented the whole time yep yeah but also to the point of the earlier discussions we had not open fermented most of the time not but uh we often run like a one of four or five batch pliny would go through an open top and then blend it in the tank it's more for Mm -hmm. efficiency than anything else right we do like open top fermented pliny we just can't run it all through open tops Open top uh, pliny should almost be like a uh, Firestorm Walker's uh, uh, yeah, yeah. barrel ale. Yeah, I know what you mean. The double barrel, the hundred percent double yeah, barrel, hundred percent yeah. barrel aged double yeah. double barrel, barrel ale. Yeah, I knew you were going there. It's so it's so good, and yet it, it tastes like yeah. crap the second you get about fifty miles away from the brewery. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic job on this one. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, thanks, thanks. I appreciate the kind words. 
Well, again, I mean, to me, I think the the big thing is, okay, yeah, in this day and age, plenty is no longer the world's most bitter beer. It is not the most in-your-face hop slam type beer, but it is the... It is the hoppiest beer that I am happy to go and pour down my gullet again and again. Well, well thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. We're, yeah. you know, we work really hard and we're trying new stuff all the time and blending batches away to, you know, stuff we've tested. And, you know, Natalie and I have this really firm belief that we never will rust on our laurels and uh, that we need to keep always improving the quality of our beer, our customer service, everything. So. By the way, before we get off of the elder and we go over to the peach, I did want to ask, I had one person who is absolutely obsessed with playing the younger uh-huh. uh, ask me about mosaic and play the younger. Is there any mosaic and play the younger? There is. Yeah, there is some mosaic in, in younger. Um, and I believe it's in one of the dry hops. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're very sensitive. And they're like, why did Vinny ruin playing the younger with mosaic? there's not a lot in there it's uh it's 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 a pretty small amount so i know looking i'm right now um yeah it's uh it's like four percent of the dry hop bill there it's tiny i'm curious about the chinook that you're putting in pliny the elder yeah because it's so harsh of a hop, and I'm I'm telling you, I put just a small amount, although I put it in early, and everybody picked it up. Yeah, it's um, it, it's really uh, it's just the the nice pininess that I think you get, but you can also get some really fruity um chinook and and it can go towards uh like resiny and citrus and and i and we still haven't found like our you know end all chinook we're all we're always kind of looking whether it's oregon idaho or washington picking window that sort of thing but yeah it doesn't all have to be harsh there can be there's some really nice chinook out there well like they- i said we're still looking for the the magical Chinook, but I, I like what it adds. And it's, and, and it's also a good price top, like whereas Citra Mosaic, like those, they're really expensive. So we have, we do have to think about that. One of our, one of our followers here who is somewhere on one of these little windows, I just said, what about Michigan Chinook, which is infamously pineapple and, and strange and different. Yeah, and wonderful. yeah, we've we've uh, we've brewed with it before, but not specifically in Pliny. So, yep. But well, I would have to imagine it'd be hard to do in Pliny because everybody expects like a certain character, and then like to MB's yeah. point, like that, you know, getting that little tropical fruit character would make you go, "What? What would you do to my beer?" No. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, and then uh, Ryan, you had do you have another question beyond the Michigan Schnooker? No, I just wanted to ask Vinny. One, I want to say hello again. How are you yeah. doing? Hey. Uh, it's been great to see you. It's been a good little spell since we've seen each other yeah. on one of these calls. But I wanted to ask, so when you do Pliny or, or whatever, when you go to select the hops and you rub them in your hands, you give them a good smell, and you go, this is what I want, does that have some kind of connotation to the hops for that particular year's batches of Pliny? 
Yeah, because, you know, hops are an agricultural product, so you're definitely going to, there's going to be something contributed. You hear a lot of brewers talk about, um, like, wanting a selection of hops at selection from a bunch of different farms and and picking windows and whatever. And I really like having the same farm every year for our um, variety of Simcoe you know, Amarillo are bigger varieties that we use because it really, really narrows down the flavor profile and makes it more consistent from year to year. And, and that's different than a lot of small brewers. Most small brewers are like, I want to have a new clean slate every year, but I think the way we look at it, we have more consistency from year to year by, by that you well, know, yeah. same farm, sometimes even the same field from year to year that we'll select blind, some- really, really crazy. But it is also important because I mean, you you are at a, a kind of a certain level, right? You're kind of almost in that regional brewery level, but not. Yeah, we're to- we're a regional brewery, and we we do get special yeah. treatments <laughs> with well, but- with hop selection, and and we buy fifty percent of our hops. We buy direct. Um, mm-hmm. We buy most of our Simcoe direct. We're the only brewery in the world that's allowed to buy Simcoe direct other than bail breaker, yep. you know, because their family oh. grows the hops themselves. Um, we're, that, we're very, we're very privileged in that. And we do not take that for granted. And we know that we have access to better like Simcoe than anyone else. Initially, there's a lot of great Simcoe out there though. So. Mm-hmm. Well, but I think also what's interesting to me is that, I mean, for you guys as being that sort of regional size, like you don't get the same level of flexibility that somebody who's smaller than you is like, you know, if somebody gets a plenty, they expect a plenty to take like, taste like a plenty. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody gets an STS, they expect STS yeah. to taste like STS. Yeah. And Lord help you. If you, if you make a slightly different change to it. And, yeah. 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 So you, you both have some freedom, but you were also kind of locked in. Yeah. Which is, if if somebody was to go to to Windsor or Santa Rosa and go and sit down in one of the pubs, how many beers would they have in front of them right now? Eighteen, eighteen, which is yeah. down actually. <laughs> you, you used to uh, used to be up like yeah, somewhere in the higher twenties. Yeah, to like well, the board holds eighteen, and then we only have so many taps. So I think twenty two is the most, maybe twenty one, nineteen, whatever it is. Yeah, so and. How many of those beers go out to wider distribution versus just pub only? Mm, maybe five. Yeah. STS, Blind Pig, Pliny the Elder, um, Damnation, Happy Hops, and maybe Velvet Glow or Hellas, so six. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ed's complaining that the Falcons only got 19 when they showed up last year. Yeah. Sorry, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I think it's interesting because I mean that that then means I mean you have a lot of room to play around in the background yeah. for things that aren't like super distributed, but yeah, but you're still no, you still are sort of limited in a way in some of the moves you can make. Yeah, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, we have a comment. Double dry hop pilsner, aka plain for president, is yeah, so, one of my f- absolute favorite beers, and I'll agree that is a fantastic beer. So DDH is uh, I see planning for president. I saw you wearing your button there, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, DDH will be back out. Uh, it'll go up on direct to consumer like the very end of May. And just a reminder, maybe early June, but somewhere in there. And then, and that was planning for president. But when we bring back planning for president next year, there's going to be a brand new recipe that I'm just starting to work on right now in the pilot brewery. 
Ooh, that's so, really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And by the way, that, that playing for president recipe is top notch. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, I love elder yeah. and that's just like the little extra cherry on top that doesn't actually distract from the base qualities of the beer. Yeah. So there we go. And as Scott's saying, happy hops is my favorite IPA. Yeah. Certain progressive IPA. It's kind of new world. Yeah. We jokingly call it happy hops are not so hazy, hazy IPA because it has all the big juicy notes of hazy IPA, but it's a clear, clean beer. Yeah, and, and you know, and that's funny. That the reason why you said, "Hey, yeah, we make all these different beers." Like for whatever reason, like one year when I got Happy Hops, Happy Hops had an oniony character to it. Yeah, and I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah, and which like, is probably sometimes Mosaic can come off as being really aggressive, and uh, you know, you get a bad lot or something. So, yep. oh yeah, but that's the reason why uh, you make multiple beers and you yep. keep trying to nail quality. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this look at Plenty of the Elder and how it's changed over time. Also, a big thanks to Vinny and the Russian River crew for making our happy hour absolutely amazing. Remember, if you live in California, you can order Russian River beer for direct shipment to your house. And no, they didn't pay me to say that. I paid for my beer. It's just a great service. And you can do that with Sierra Nevada. You can do that with a lot of uh, California breweries. So go and check that out. It's one of the great things in the state. Now, remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast.experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at Denny at experimentalbrew.com or Drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter at EXP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every home form out there. And, of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts, click the AHA or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is best friends. Gotta save them all. Until next time, remember, the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. The next generation of countertop home distillation systems is here. The all-new Airstill Pro from Still Spirits is a revolutionary still that will look right at home alongside your everyday kitchen appliances. This small-batch 2-in-1 distillation system operates in either pot still or reflex mode and allows you to craft high-quality light and dark spirits at home. No hoses, no complicated assembly, just plug-and-play. The Airstill Pro column cools itself with a built-in high-powered fan. The Still Spirits Airstill Pro is available now at your favorite homebrew retailer. Learn more about the Airstill Pro at stillspirits.com or check them out on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube.